1: Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms, and I'm the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist. Today's episode, I've got Mr. Chris Jackson from Sharpline Equity. He's been doing multifamily investing for quite a while now. Uh, I didn't know this, but he was, until we started talking, he is a fellow propeller head. He's been in the IT engineering world, uh, which a lot of us in that world are introverts. Um and he has definitely grown outside of his comfort zone, uh, able to quit his full time job and pursue real estate investing full time and is doing extremely well with it. Um but before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about the show. I got some advice and, and saying, Hey, you, you should probably should change up your intro a little bit to talk about what this show is about, right? And it is about helping people, uh men and women who have a successful, fulfilling WT job but just haven't had that time uh, or, or haven't hit those financial and wealth targets that you're looking for. Uh, and I want to encourage you to find those through real estate investing. Uh, so, And the reason why I am the expert at helping you do that is I've been climbing the corporate ladder since 2001. I uh, actually started investing in real estate in 2014, so just a few years ago. And while I have successfully grown in my W-2 career, my wife and I expanded our real estate Buy and hold portfolios are strategies, but we've expanded our portfolio to over 320 plus units in in the first five years of investing. Uh, we did all of this while bringing three beautiful, and I didn't mean beautiful as frustrating as they can be sometimes, three beautiful children into the world. So the W2 Capitalist Podcast and community is here to help you do the same or even better. I love it when people outgrow us and do things because of some little nugget they picked up from the show or from the group, from the community. Uh, it's always humbling to to hear that. So I want to help. I want to be here to help lead you as you continue to climb the corporate ladder, but to help you build some wealth through real estate investing while not losing sight of your W two ambitions nor fumbling the family life. So uh, as we like to say, earn, invest, repeat your way to to legacy wealth. Before we get into the content of the show, there's some really good stuff. Chris and I, uh, this is the first time he and I have actually connected. He's a very uh, active member of the W2 Capitalist community, uh, which is on Facebook right now. I love the content he puts out. I, I didn't know that he was an IT guy just like myself. I didn't know that he had grown out of being an extreme introvert uh, to what he is now, where he's raising money for these multifamily deals. It's highly encouraging for me to actually hear that and see that because I still... Have some of those ticks when it comes to being an introvert. Uh, matter of fact, I've, I've um, uh, went to a Toastmasters meeting last week just to just to help with that. Uh, but before we get into the content, let me tell you about DillCheck IO. And I don't know if you've—I've got um, probably. I'm trying to think of when this episode is going to come out. It's probably going to be a week or two after uh, we talked to uh, Anton, who is the founder of DillCheck. But DillCheck basically is a cloud-based app. To help you analyze rental properties, flips, multifamily buildings, estimate cash flow, and just find, overall find the best real estate deals. Um, I I got to admit, I haven't used this as much as I talk about it. But when I was w- interviewing Anton, um, I actually, after that, I went back and I started seeing how easy it is to import property information. Get it straight from the, uh, so you definitely need to, need to check them out little history about deal check. So it's been around for a while, uh, over 225,000, uh, 225,000 rentals, uh, and 175,000 flips have been analyzed from a hundred thousand plus users in over five different countries. And if you go back and listen to the episode episode with Anton, he's uh, actually from Russia and he's got a little bit of an accent and it kills me when he says the word mobile, when he's talking about the app they have, which is really cool. Uh, so, Uh, A couple of things, what he's uh, providing, Anton's providing back to the W2 Capitalist community is a a free promo code, right? It's W2CAP, W2CAP. Uh, It gets you an additional 25% off on these already amazingly affordable uh, rates they have. I think the first uh, entry, actually the first entry is free, right? You can try it two two months, absolutely free. I think it gives you all the features for, for a couple of months free. After that, they have a free program for life. Uh, of course, it's going to be very limited. But once you re- enter the first tier, I think it's around 7 or 8 bucks. use the promo code W2CAP uh, to receive an additional 25% off. And, guys, you can check this out. So it's on w 2 com slash affiliates, or you can go straight to dealcheck.io and just make sure you use that promo code W2CAP when you check out to get some additional uh, 25% off. So without further ado, here is Mr. Chris Jackson. Now let's get to work. Chris, welcome to the show and good early morning to you, sir.
0: Good morning to you, Jay. Uh,
1: so you, uh, we we were just talking a little bit before I hit the record button. We both cheers our, our coffees together, right? Morning, everyone. Morning, morning. It is a little early for this and, and, uh, I appreciate you doing it earlier than most people. Right, so it's six thirty central. I mean, six thirty eastern, five thirty central. We're we're doing this on a Friday morning, which is incredible for you to to give me that time slot. Um, but you in the Facebook group, you give me a hard time, or or you tend to boast about when you get up early before me. And is it is it Roy?
0: Yeah, it's you and you and Roy. Well, you're you guys are always up early, and I'm not up early all the time. Like yeah. I. <laughs> I had my W two job for a very long time and now I actually pride myself now that I've transitioned out that I don't use an alarm clock when I when I don't have to. So nice. I'm, a I'm a six thirty I'm a six, six thirty, seven o'clock wake up guy.
1: Just somewhere within that hour, which is a yeah, good it's, right? it's <laughs> nice to
0: not eighty percent of the time I can wake up without an alarm clock in my life and that's a beautiful thing.
1: If I ever leave the W two world, I think that's probably gonna be the one of the biggest things that uh uh, adjustments that I'll have to get used to, which is weird for me to say this uh, because up until we had kids, my brain really didn't start going until like ten o'clock in the morning. Yeah, right. And and it was because I slept right up until the last moment possible to get out the door for work. So that was a, it was a huge shift well, when we had kids. Pre kids
0: for me too. And my normal WT schedule was, uh, it was, a, it was a tech company as well. Okay. And we would go from 10 to six so I could stay up until two in the morning and then sleep until nine fifty. I do the same wow. thing. Yeah. But now yeah. I have kids. It doesn't, it doesn't roll like that. I'm, I'm in bed by nine and I'm up at six, o'clock.
1: seven. <laughs> I, I'm in by nine too. Uh, and I'm, and I'm struggling. To, last night I fell asleep in the recliner and it was like eight 30. I was like, Oh this is, <laughs> this is not good. I uh, also didn't start drinking coffee until we had kids, which is anything. Yeah, yeah it was it was water or a coke or something, which I would still have a Coca-Cola uh, early in the morning. People look at Down, it
0: coffee black, <laughs> bold, extra bold
1: Really? Just <laughs> yeah, black I drink, I
0: drink it black yeah
1: I can't do it. I can't do it if if if, uh, if black coffee um, tasted the way it smelled. I would bathe in the stuff. I mean, I would just <laughs> it's just so I could drink it. But that, I, I just can't do. Bl- and and somebody, I heard this line the other day that there is no good coffee, only good creamer. No <laughs> I was <way>. like, it's <laughs> it's pretty strong. It's going <laughs> to offend some black coffee drinkers, but yeah, um, I
0: drink coffee. Drink coffee back in the beginning.
1: It's easier, really. I just grab it, go. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's uh, it's too bad. Anyway, all right. So we're here to talk about uh. We're gonna talk about real estate. We're here to talk about a lot of stuff, right? Uh, so, you had a W two job before. How long have you been out of the uh, the W two world? Uh,
0: about a year now, but I was awesome. in transition for about two years. I was doing both for about two years. Pretty, uh, I mean, I was been doing real estate for about ten years, but I would say the most heavy double up for the last uh, two years. I was director of operations of a tech company, a partner as well. So, I was able to have some flexibility. Yeah, uh, but I started out my tech career as a pretty hardcore computer programmer for ten years, hiding behind a computer. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I have nothing against computer programming. I'm I'm saying that jokingly, but I was I'm an introvert, so I yeah. naturally led myself to be behind the computer screen, uh, and I loved the challenge of computer programming. I was the guy that. Uh, would not sleep for three or four days and come up with the solution while everybody around me was saying we had to abandon this and abandon that and go try yeah. something else. I would come up with the solution and never give up. And that that led to me advancing in my career and ultimately that that fire for the drive you need in real estate.
1: Yeah. So happy to have a fellow propeller head on uh, on the show. I don't, <laughs> don't take offense to it because that is, that is what I am, right? I mean, at my yeah. degree is in computer science. I spent uh, i've moved on into the sales world, which I know if, if you're a programmer, you probably look at sales guys like uh like our our programmers look at us <laughs> well, when I,
0: when I was a programmer, yes, but then I realized that I had something inside of me that I wasn't tapping into. I knew yeah. there was something more and then when I started to get that extrovert in me to come out, I realized that I had some sales ability, and that you need that in real estate too, and you can find that even if you 're an introvert
1: so i so, uh, there was a challenge I did in the Facebook group a while back to, cause we were doing this at work is I wanted to, the team I have at work is, is relatively new to me and, and trying to learn their personality types, whatnot. And I posted the link to, um, uh, I think it's 16 personalities.com okay. that allows you to take this test. It's about 15 minutes. I need to get them as a sponsor for the show. Anyway, uh, it tells you basically what type of, it goes to the Meyer Briggs, uh, foundation or whatnot and tells you what kind of personality type you are. Uh, I'm an introvert, right? And you're, and when a lot of people hear that, they're like, no way that's, yeah, right. but just like you were saying, I am really comfortable behind a camera and a keyboard, right? That is my comfort zone. Now I always challenge people to get out of their comfort zone to, to do different stuff. And I take those challenges too. So this week I went to a Toastmasters I don't know okay. if you know who those are, uh, or that group is, but, in my very first meeting I had to give up, get up and give like a two minute speech, you know, and I'm, and I'm up there popping my knuckles and doing all these nervous ticks yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. But how did you, and I'm telling all that to, to get to a point, how did you, did you realize, okay, I'm an introvert. And if I want to get into real estate investing, I need to come out of this shell or yeah. was it something that just came naturally? And, and how did no. you, uh, practice Getting because personality types can change, right? Personality types can change as people grow and have new experiences. But what was it for you that was the aha moment?
0: Well, I realized I was um, losing my skills of like uh, of of social skills. It wasn't I wasn't I wasn't becoming socially awkward. Uh, I
1: mean, I am extremely uh, socially awkward, by the way. Yeah, like I mean, I guess
0: I, I probably was. I mean, I was but I, I was so much time behind the computer that I was not, I wasn't practicing those skills. And what happened was I, so I'm 44 now when I was 21, I really wanted to get into real estate. That was even before tech career. I got huh. Carlton sheets. I did all that stuff and I didn't really do anything with it at all. I, for about 10 years, I was just thinking about being a real estate investor. Just and I got, I told my wife, I'm tired of thinking about this. I got to do something about it. So at about 31, 32, I realized I needed to enhance my people skills and I went to a RIA event and I went up to one person, talked to them and it was like too much for me. Like I, I was like exhausted oh, yeah. after that. Yeah. Like, I, so, but what I did was, um, I went through the journey that a lot of people go through, which is really self-defeating. You go, you go to something like that. You, you step outside your comfort zone, you meet somebody You talk about real estate. You sound like an idiot. It's it's fine, but then you you tell yourself, oh, I'm not good at this, so you you don't practice it. And what I did was, I don't know what made that switch, but uh, I I would I went back the next time and I just kept on doing it, and I realized that I was allowing myself to be bad at it, and I allowed myself to feel like an idiot. Feeling like an idiot is something people will repel against and do anything possible to not sound like an idiot, and I. I, I tapped into sounding uh, being okay with feeling like an idiot and uh, that allowed me to grow and realize that I was, I was building brick by brick, uh, more confidence in that area.
1: Yeah. And I feel like you were just telling my story on the first time I went to a RIA meeting as well, because the first time I went, I didn't know anybody. I was the guy who sat in the corner of the room. Uh, th- actually, I think I showed up on purpose late because <laughs> the, uh, our RIA meeting has a networking piece in the beginning. And then there's a, you know, there's a presenter and then there's a networking piece afterwards. So knowing that I think I showed up purposely late so I could avoid the networking side of it. I didn't know anybody. Right. And then I'm probably, I'm probably sure I left early. Right. (laughs) Snuck in the back, (laughs) sat down, was there. Okay. I I did it. Right. But it was, yeah, I was there. I was there. Yeah. It was, uh, it was one of those things I checked off and then, Um, that was probably the only time I went and then fast forward a year from then. And I had a buddy say, Hey, do you know about this group? I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm Brad. Oh yeah. I've been, I've been to those meetings before. And, uh, he's like, why don't you go with me? I was like, Oh crap. (laughs) And to this day, when I walk in that, uh, and and I'm, I'm a member, I'm not an active member, but I definitely want to support them because they, uh, Matt Robinson who puts it on has been very supportive of. Me, right? So I, I, um, he's actually let me speak at a couple. I said, Look, I, I will co host. I'm not getting up in front of the crowd, right? And, uh, I will, I will co speak with you. And he told me I did a good job, but I, I'm pretty sure I bombed it. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I love how you took those steps, right? And so, before we go any further though, let's talk about your current portfolio. What do you have now? I know you do multifamily. Do you do anything other than multifamily? Not anymore. Uh,
0: okay. I have done I have done uh, single family flips, uh, single family rentals, which we still have quite a bit of. Uh, I've done lending, wholesaling, uh, small multifamily, large multifamily. Uh, but yeah, our main focus right now is larger multifamily. We currently have a, a little over 300 units uh, we've We have about a little over five hundred unit experience because we have in the past uh, five, six years, we do have five full cycle multifamily projects under our belt where we found the deal, raised the money for the deal, run the deal, execute the business plan to either uh, uh, sell or refinance, but then ultimately uh, sale and disposition of the asset with uh, capital return and uh, return.
1: very nice. so.
0: It, we have that we've done the full cycle. It's not like we just accumulated like a freak, and now now don't know what to do with these things. We are operators at the core of our business, which is probably why we haven't accelerated as fast as when you look back. Uh, now, like hindsight's wonderful, you know. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of deals I would have purchased that I said no to at the time, yeah. <laughs> but because we're operators, we were concentrating on becoming the best operators we can be, and I I believe that that sets us apart right now.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and you're specifically talking about uh sharp line equity, right? That's right. your, that's your group. So I'll make sure to put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, totally forgot where, where I was going after that.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about, Oh, uh, apparently I need more of this coffee. <laughs> being an introvert. Uh, Oh, 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 uh, yeah. Where were we going? We're going to, we're going introvert style. Well, I mean, being an introvert and going into those things, it was like, how did I get there? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it was, I I took a year after I started uh, going to RIA meetings and just getting my skill set improved in networking. I I still would not say I was a great networker. Don't, don't think that uh, I went to a couple of RIA meetings and it was all great. And then I just tapped into something that was amazing with inside of me and it came out immediately. It was years of growth years. I, I beg of you audience, uh, tap into patience. it's not going to happen overnight because I think that, uh, I know I did it, which is, uh, lack of patience actually starts to allow your mind to tell you that you're not good at it. Like, Oh, I should be mm. here by now. I should be Johnny handshake by now. Yeah. Then you don't think you're good at it. And then you go retreat to the comfort zone of what you have I'm figured out that. by now is what you're good at. And sometimes the part that you're good at, like you don't love that much and you know, there's something else. So you go retreat and go back to it.
1: Yeah. And, and that's an excellent point. Cause you know, as it likes uh, something you said earlier uh, might be the title of the show is make yourself feel like an idiot.
0: Yeah. Right? Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I'm title it.
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, you and and I'm sitting here, been thinking about what helps, what has helped me grow the most in the last year or so, and I think it's that right is just accepting. Hey, I've never done this. Nobody should, and I've got a little bit of perfectionism in me as well. Even when yeah, I started doing this podcast, I was like, to where I am today, I'm just man, it's just a conversation. I'm going ha- to have, hopefully I'm going to have it anyway. the best
0: podcast ever, I'm not going to do it. And then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was it. Right. And, and, but there were so many angles in my life that i would focused that way. And now with my, and I think this is one of those things that I've learned that I'm passing on. Right. Is there's a, I've got a couple of, uh, greenhorns on my team at, at work. And so we're training them up there. There's, there's a couple of them that are, are, three of them that have been um three months or less right okay. first month i'm like look here you're just getting acclimated to the systems and stuff like that second month you're actually gonna have to start calling on customers and they're like Wait yeah i was like yeah you signed up for a sales job you're calling customers <laughs> and i was right. like and, and every one of them except well one of them was pretty good but every one of them have been very reluctant to do that i was like look and here's how i've helped them get over it look you're not calling the biggest customer we're going to start y'all the first time you call somebody, it's going to suck. Yeah. Mess it up. <laughs> yeah. See how bad you can fail, you know? And, and it's almost like a green light goes off. I mean, a, a light goes off for them, um, for the greenhorn, uh, I guess yeah. is where I was going. But yeah, it, it's allowing yourself to fail, allowing that nobody expects you to be an expert, um, on something you're starting out with. So I, I am curious about something though. When you were 21, you said you yep. you were have always been in, interested in investing in real estate since you're 21. Yes. What was it at 21 that got you excited about it?
0: I think it was, uh, it was the fact that something inside of me knew that it was the asset class that if I studied it, it was obtainable to take the information and then execute that information and control the value of the asset. Uh, I felt intuitively that I wasn't interested in studying enough to apply the knowledge that if I learned it to be like a stock trader Now yeah. that is nothing against stock traders at all. I think they're brilliant um, the ones that are doing it right and 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 have that and i I have a quick mindset too, but like it's not i didn't i didn't feel like it was control it was more like reactive style thinking to patterns, which is what brought me into computer programming. But I felt like I could touch real estate and, and take the number side of it and control value.
1: Gotcha. But it took you a while. You've been investing. I'm, I'm going to show off my horrible math skills. You said you were 44. You've been investing since you were 10, 10 years ago. Uh, about,
0: about 32, 33 okay. I started.
1: Well, so it took you 10 years essentially to pull the trigger right? Yes. So what do you, what do you think led to that? What do you think led, led to that pause? Was it just life in general or was it one of those things where you studied for that long because you did, you wanted to be perfect when you actually executed?
0: Well, also I didn't, I didn't, uh, day one uh, know about multifamily. I, okay. I had heard about just like the flipping and the lease option stuff. Um, I, I had maybe sent out a few mailers here and there, uh, during that ten-year process, and I did the overthinking thing. I thought the mailers had to be perfect. I would—I I mean, I actually did a mailer. I remember it, it was maybe year five, I'm guessing. But like, I did a mailer. I'm like, yeah, I'm a tech guy. I, I can pull this data. I can manipulate my Excel sheet. Yeah. Sent out the mailer. <laughs> I got calls. And you want to hear something pathetic? I didn't call anybody back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it worked. No, it, it freaking worked. But I was like, oh shit. And I was like, yeah. I call do. them on Monday. Oh wait. Uh, now it's been too long since I called them I shouldn't call them. (laughs) Like, just full self-sabotage.
1: Like, total BS. But, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) The good thing I see there, though, is you took action and you figured out that, hey, this is actually going to work, right? Uh, You just had to find the courage to actually to get that's that introverted, yeah, which I, I'm that, beginning to think that you are much more of an introvert than I've ever been. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was, I, I was. I didn't I didn't take action on it. And then I had to get over that. And I was yeah. deeper into my like, like full on headphone programming okay. world. So I had retreated even further. Yeah. But I so knew you, the seed was there. So I had to get out of that. Like my life would have been different. Um, let for me, less fulfilling if I hadn't broken out of that. But I knew yeah. that I had... A relationship builder skill set inside of me um, and I needed to tap into it and now that actually is my superpower which is interesting I I'm, I'm really good at uh, analytics and I can uh, take a lot of data and see patterns but my superpower is beyond that it helps my superpower but it is taking my introversion um, and I'm very quickly able to establish authentic relationships and develop that relationship, um, at a faster pace than most. Uh, so I, I'm not looking to, to like do wide uh, relationship, like with many, 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 many people I I have. I, I, I can go into a room and where the other person is doing 50 business cards and is quite good at it and and being authentic at that. That is not bad. I'm going to be the 10 business card person, but I'm going to walk out of there with 10 buddies
1: yeah uh speaking of business cards I, I don't know if you've seen this or not because um, you're active on facebook right yes. but i keep getting hit by this and that my wallet was right here but i have it in this i put it in the same spot right by the door and uh i put it over there because i knew right when we hang up and i get ready to go to work i was gonna forget about it and <laughs> get to work and be like oh crap i can't get in because i don't have a badge um it was, and I'll send you a link to this, but it's, uh, it's like a blue, uh, I think it's called blue card or something like that, Ooh. where it's, it, I think it's going to be the last business card that I ever buy because it's okay. basically, it's, it's, it looks like a credit card. But yeah. if I w- wanted to give you a, uh, um, a business card, I would just walk up, tap this card on the back of your phone and it brings up my profile and it's got links to all my stuff, right? Oh, nice. so my Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I think I can put my podcast link in there and all this other stuff. So it might be something you want to look into. It's very, It's like 25 bucks, which is a box of business cards.
0: It works with all phones.
1: Uh, you have, it has to be like an, um, I know it works on all Androids. Like it's, it uses the same technology as like Apple pay and those things where you just tap your phone to pay stuff. So, um, it's pretty cool. So I'll send you a link. Uh,
0: yeah, I would, I would be into that. Totally. But
1: it's one of those things where I'm sitting here, man, I don't want to spend $25 on one business card, but I'm sitting here thinking, all right, I've changed company names. Uh, <laughs> how many times in a box of business cards is, is, uh, is at least 10 bucks if they're any good. Yeah, sure. Right. And, um, and it gives you one address. This puts the contact right in the person's phone. It gives them all the links and everything I want them to know about me. So uh, it's pretty cool. What I, do,
0: what I do also with business cards is uh, I like that for me giving out mine. What I do is uh, I actually prefer getting people's business cards. I take a picture of it. Uh, I send it into, I think they changed the name, but it's Contacts Plus and okay. auto transcribes the whole thing into your, uh, into your CRM. And then I can, uh, I can follow up with people because I, I, and you can take notes on the, uh, the picture.
1: Nice. Nice. So what, that's that uh, what CRM system do you use?
0: Uh, I'm using, uh, contacts plus right now is my entry point of, uh, people in that, that auto, that it just gets it in quickly for me. Yeah. And then we're, we're migrating over to, uh, active.
1: Okay. I, I heard this and the evil side of it was coming out when I heard this, I was like, this is a really good idea, but it was, it was talking about what do you do? And I don't remember where I heard it, it as a poster comedians. What do you do with all those business cards that you collect? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you keep them in the, your car, and then when you accidentally bump into a car next to you, you grab one of those business cards that's not yours, <laughs> and you go over, yeah. and you slide it under the windshield <laughs> and, and make a note on I was like, that's evil. That's evil. <laughs> but, uh, you need to make sure that
0: that's not your your top client. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, or if it's your top prospect, uh, maybe yeah. that's a way to get introduced, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would be an expensive lead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So you, you have, uh, you said 300 current units, all multifamily, right? We do now. Yes. Uh, no,
0: not, uh, we have about 30 single family homes still. Okay. Uh, we sold about, uh, around a hundred units last year. Uh, and, uh, now we, we do tend to look at bigger multifamily right now. we now have, What's bigger so
1: in numbers of units?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I've done a, a lot of different sizes of multifamily, but right now our largest complex, is 174 units. And we also have a 96 unit. Uh, we've sold like a 60 unit. Um,
1: okay.
0: I would feel probably comfortable at this stage going up to maybe, uh, three or 400 units.
1: Wow. Okay. Very cool. And I noticed on your, on your website, uh, and shameless plug, sharplineequity.com, dot right? Awesome. You, you have, you have a portfolio page and while you're based in New York, All the properties that I saw were in the Southeast area. Yep. Why is that?
0: We started about five or six years ago going into the Southeast market, into Atlanta, and the Atlanta market, Georgia market has been very good to us. Hmm. Uh, And I think we're ready at this stage to go into other markets, which I can talk about, but I think it's very important for people when they're going into new markets to not get into uh, like market blur and like market distraction. I've done that where you're looking for the magic market and we picked Atlanta for the obvious reasons now, but it wasn't so obvious then, but it was uh, population growth, job growth, rent growth. And uh, it's been very good to us, but there were times when it was like, let's just go to another market. Cause it's easier mm, because Atlanta yeah. got Atlanta got pretty competitive and uh, you can lie to yourself and be like, I'm going to go to another market and find stuff that's easier. And you waste. You end up wasting time. So we doubled down back into uh, the Atlanta metro and, and outer concentric rings of Atlanta because you start to have an advantage when you know the other properties that have sold, what's going on with yeah. them, why they're getting rents. You you begin to see things like Neo in the matrix that you can't see at other markets.
1: Yeah. And that's only going to come with experience. And, I, and I'll say on this side of the fence, uh, where, you're, where I'm a potential investor, right, is that I was presented an opportunity, uh, finally t- told the guy no, but what kept me hanging on um, to possibly working with them is it was, uh, they had their history, right, of the deals they had done. And uh, they had already done... I'm just going to say multiple because I don't remember the actual number, but they had already done multiple deals and holdings within that side of that same city, yeah. uh, geo. And I was like, okay, well, these guys know this market. Um, yeah. obviously, uh, cause they've had some very good. That's and, yeah. So that's, like, that's if, interesting. If, yeah.
0: Like if we went into a new market where we, we are established enough, we have a, a long enough track record in this type of unit account and the type of assets that we're going to buy and what our business plan is. If we went into a new market, we would have to do the work to tell our investors, uh, existing and new, that we're going into a new market, here's why, and what are we going to overcome from the fact that this is an entry into a new market? You have to be self-aware enough that that is going to be something that your investors are going to ask of you, so you have to satisfy that objection.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I noticed you have, do you still have your property in Foley, Alabama? Oh, that's sold. Ah, uh, okay. I was going to anyway, say,
0: if, I don't think it was updated. That was actually, that should be updated. That sold. That was uh, my business partner's, uh, gosh, it, I think it sold three years ago.
1: And I think it says, uh, you're, and it's probably my notes are just wrong because I, on your website, I did notice when I went back and looked that a lot of, it had the ones that you had exited as well. Yes. Right. So, which is important to establish that record. But I was like, Oh, they got one in foley where my mind went was oh they they got one in Foley that's like yeah. thirty forty minutes from here <laughs> I need to tell Chris next time he's down
0: <laughs> yeah that was uh that that was a, a great deal I think it was only held for two years oh wow uh, it was just purchased right um but yeah I mean yeah. that's what we that's what we do I mean uh, you, you have to buy right and uh you got to execute your business plan and exiting is important you know from a buy and hold perspective it kind of stinks because You are you are getting into a little bit of a flipping transactional mentality of multifamily when multifamily really is is meant to be hold. When you buy these, you need to understand what is this going to be like. Even if the intent is to flip, what is it like when we hold? So that has to satisfy that. Um, So yeah, but exiting is important from a a sponsor investor uh, the track record to show that you can do the full cycle.
1: Yeah, it is. And you said you've done five so far. Yes, full cycle. That's that's incredible. Um, what are what are some of the things that you look at? What's well, two questions? When you say flipping, it makes me think you're doing some sort of value add. So, are you always looking for value add properties? And then the second second question is what what kind of exit strategy do you look at uh, for each property? So, assuming they're we, all different,
0: we are always doing value add uh, that has been where we have focused we're looking for a value add component Um, there are two types of value add that i'm seeing right now and they both can be combined Uh, a lot of syndicators today are just concentrating on the let's raise enough money to update the units to a certain place get rents up to a certain place proof of concept let next investor come in that to me is a little bit of a duh like that's like you have to do that Uh, What we're seeing is in the older buildings, like pre-1975, we're going in and only doing deals where you capex enough to do the stuff nobody wants to do, and you actually serve up a better product to the next investor that doesn't want to do that stuff. Like Mm. We're doing one right now, like uh, roofs, windows, sealant stripe, ACs, uh, perimeter fence, and we're going to then do only about 10 to 20 units and serve it up and and nobody's really doing that because and i also i don't think it's like it, it, you start to learn the construction aspect of multifamily when you're in it for a while and you understand that these are the things that are actually being neglected by a lot of sponsors yeah and it's going to come back to haunt them we we're calling this the capex tsunami <laughs> uh
1: i think i think you're on i haven't heard of anything like that but uh I'm sitting here running through several deals because one of the things that I I challenge I've got some money in a self-directed IRA that's been sitting there for way too long. So I've been, um, forcing myself to look at other opportunities. And, um, uh, so I've looked at a lot and probably the last, especially the last two weeks, but a lot, um, the last few months, you're right. A lot of people are doing the very cosmetic stuff. That's going to improve rents. Um, and not necessarily focus on the capEx stuff how do you get your money back on a capex because I, I have to imagine that when you buy these and you do the capex improvements yep. it's not really something that a tenant is going to want to pay more rent for which is where you get the spike in value typically right from um, uh, from an NOI perspective capEx two, or cap two number with that is yeah.
0: uh, yes uh, from a From a direct kind of correlation, uh, the CapEx spend on a lot of the uh, roof windows, things like that uh, don't directly result in higher rents. However, they can directly result in um, say less uh, maintenance being required by the maintenance team uh, to then be able to concentrate on being better servicers to your residents. And that does result in better word of mouth uh, that, that the community is developing, feels good about. So there is a correlation there with doing the right types of CapEx. You do the roof, you're getting re- less roof leaks, less, yeah. uh, less residents are upset. You also can improve the show trail. When, uh, when residents walk in to, to decide if they're going to live in this community, they're deciding immediately if they're going to live there. And if you haven't done the CapEx, uh, the exterior you if you had a hundred people ready for your ad, you lost 50 before you even know it. Yeah. So there's, there's that. So
1: always start with the outside is what you're saying.
0: We usually do an outside in approach. Uh, if that, that has been, that has worked for us. Uh, but at the same time, you, you asked a good question about how do you get your money back from, uh, without direct correlation to increased rents. What we're also doing is the play would be, you're going to get your money back from a better cap rate from a refi Mm -hmm. or exit. Gotcha. Okay. Like you, you, you are serving up a better product to the next investor. And that next investor is either your buyer or let's consider them the bank that's going to refi you. Right. I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to that. We're, we're definitely thinking a lot about who buys this next, whether it be bank to refi value or bank to lend to the next buyer.
1: Yeah. I haven't heard of anybody doing that. Um, I haven't heard of anybody I'm sitting here. I feel like my mind just exploded <laughs> <laughs> that concept because you definitely, that is definitely something that, uh, is allowing you guys to set yourself apart from everybody else. Um, there,
0: well, there's, there's intricacies in multifamily where everybody's concentrating on, uh, NOI and that is yep. true. You have to concentrate on NOI, but these things that we're doing are CapEx injections, and what happens yep. is they're not going to show up on an NOI line, but they are going to affect the predictability of your cash flow, because if yep. your CapEx is having needs beyond what you thought, and you can't predict what that will be in the future as, as, as much as possible, what happens is you have to take from cash flow to pay for it if, if your CapEx reserves were not enough. And you know everybody's throwing around like 250 to 500 dollars per unit per year on. CapEx reserves on older buildings, unless you injected a lot of capital in the beginning, that's usually not enough. Yeah. So, so have injecting enough capital to on the bones of the building, including underground pipes and all that. We got galvanized pipes going that are 50 years (laughs) old now. (laughs) Yeah. End of life, people.
1: We've already done this on a few
0: properties. Like we're converted them to PVC pipes. So the next buyer shows up and goes, Oh, 1971 product. What did you do to it? Oh, we did these things. They'll reward you for that, and you don't have to worry about fluctuations in your cash flow uh, for things gotcha. like that.
1: Do you see as, as big? And you've done this on five properties that you've exited now, right? Yes. Do you see what kind of returns are you seeing for your yourself and for your investors? I mean, that's, like that.
0: that's hard to say. I'm going to say a number here and then it's like, I get held to it. And then when I don't hit me, you numbers,
1: can give me a range, right?
0: I It's cool. I don't, I mean, the last, last we just did, we had uh, we sold a 56 unit. We held it for two and a half years, the flowed the entire time. Uh, we ended up selling it for a 63% return total in two and a half years. Wow. We annualized out at like 23 ish. Uh, we've had some properties that exited in two years that were north of that, that even better. Uh, we've had some that annualized out in the double digits uh, for many year holds. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're good at what we do. We know what we're yeah. doing. And we, haven't, uh, we, haven't, like, we haven't gone crazy and bought so much that we can't control it. Uh, yeah. so that, that has, we, because we are paying attention to asset management. There's not enough yeah. concentration being talked about asset management.
1: Yeah. Do you, now, do you guys manage these uh, properties yourself? Do you have boots on the ground kind of uh, in your wheelhouse or do you outsource it to, to a property management firm? Because you kind of spread we've, out a little bit, right?
0: Yeah. We've always used professional third-party management. So there's the discipline in our team of effectively managing other teams. So third-party yeah. management, management.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually kind of fun.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, I'm also used to teams. I mean, I I, I moved up through the ranks to to understand how to manage teams uh, yeah. over time. But yeah, you have to you have to bumper ball a lot. You have to encourage them too, and set goals and uh, encourage them.
1: How many deals do you look at a week? It's got to be a tremendous amount.
0: <laughs> it, it's a lot, but I, I I'm I don't subscribe to this whole horse crap out there that like I underwrite a hundred deals to find
1: one one, like, time I, one, yeah
0: yeah i mean it's just like going in one year out the other these days um i would say that realistically looking at like the enter the pipeline probably like like three or four real ones that i want to spend attention on so but i also filter correctly so i don't have to waste time like a deal comes in uh we have somebody on our team that instantly looks to see if it's in a flood zone or not if
1: and it's if in it a flood is, zone i
0: don't, I don't even want to know about it.
1: yeah that's awesome. So what other, what other tricks do you get? Do you do? Cause it sounds like the flood zone thing is one, one quick no. Right. And that's something I'm always trying to encourage my sales team to do is hey, get to a quick, no, right. Yes. We don't need to spend a ton of time on something that's never going to happen. So right. you want to get to a quick no. So you guys look at flood zones, what other things, it sounds like you have a pretty good napkin test for, um, uh, Identifying those properties that you want to dive in deeper on. What what is that? What are some of those tips and tricks that you can you want to share with us?
0: Sure, uh, I would. So flood zone is for us. Now that can get to a whole spiral of conversation where some people will disagree and say, "Oh, you can you can account for increase, fine." But for us,
1: yeah. But for, I, for us,
0: I'm done. I don't I don't want to do it. I waste time.
1: I'm with you uh, I'm on my personal home and every. I mean, I'm just. I don't want to. It's just, there's just too much that goes
0: on. Well, yeah. I mean, that, so our, yeah, our filter is no flood zones. And if there's one, if there's a flood zone near it and FEMA has not like very near, like on the edge and FEMA has not been back to remap within the last, uh, more than five years, FEMA's yeah. coming back, baby. And they're going to remap. your. They're going
1: to stretch it out. And then your insurance costs are going to go up. Yeah. Do you know why we know this? Because it happened to it's- us. <laughs> experience
0: <laughs> yeah i mean uh had a deal it was my partner's deal but i was partners mm-hmm. with her uh while it was going on so i was i was active with it with her making decisions with her uh yeah right next it was a creek like you never would think that there would be a flood zone uh issue no it wasn't part of the flood zone when bought uh fema came back remapped four buildings went from like 11% cash on cash return that was being given out for a few years to dropped it to, I forget, I'm, I might be saying the numbers wrong, but like seven. Now you've got an NOI problem to the next yeah. buyer because it's set. And yeah. uh, she, she correctly exited uh, with grace and professionalism and found the right buyer, ended up after five years with an annualized 9%, which it was a full victory on something like that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's not <laughs> bad. Then, but it was probably projected at to do fifteen or sixteen right so um,
0: but that's yeah. that's that's buying right, and also having a good sponsor that's going to work their butt off to like okay we we, we have a situation now what do we, how do we deal with it? what are our options, and you deal with it
1: uh, and I don't imagine in in dealing with with FEMA and flood zones there's a way to uh, discredit or challenge their uh, Sure. There,
0: yeah, there is you can spend two hundred fifty grand per building and raise it.
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're talking about raise the, uh, ra- actually raise the building? Oh, yeah, not R A Z. Lift the building. Uh, talk about getting into the NOI.
0: <laughs> uh, some other things that we do to disqualify, uh, uh, oh, yeah, uh, no elevator buildings, zero.
1: Why is that? Just
0: elevators are expensive to fix. The only way I would look at an elevator building would be if, uh, if we if we were buying an A-class. like If that got gotcha. into our world, uh, it would have to be super new and I would need to learn what the due diligence items are for elevator. Yeah. But I'm, I, don't, I don't do elevators.
1: I'm with you. And if you notice, uh, you, or at least around here, most of the multifamilies around here are um, three stories. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> at max, because it, it depends, right? And this is where you got to know when you go into to your, your city ordinances and codes is that most, I think, most city ordinances and codes around this geo in Pensacola, after you get above three floors, you have to have a irrigation system of some sort in it, right, uh, depending on the dwelling or whatnot. And, and some of them, you have to have it on two floors.
0: Yeah, right? the new ones, yeah. like the new Not thing. irrigation.
1: Uh, Did I say irrigation uh, Fire suppression. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> More coffee. <laughs> I'm there glad that you irrigation. knew what I was talking about, though. You're that. correct?
0: You're yeah. correct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, technically <laughs> I'm correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: another one is uh, it's not a it's not a direct cancel, but uh, this is where we get blown out on some deals. Uh, meaning, like uh, we, we're just not going to make the numbers and be competitive. Uh, flat roofs, I'm okay with, but to put a flat roof on the way we want is probably like we're not going to beat our competitors on the bid.
1: Why flat roof? Why flat roof versus a pitch roof? Why do you? What's the?
0: Uh, we just we just find that. Uh, uh, the flat roofs tend to pool water uh, and if they're not done correctly, you now have just leaking issues that are just constant on your uh, commitment yep. demands on energy, maintenance, uh, whack-a-mole, CapEx. Yep. And then to redo uh, flat roofs correctly. <laughs> 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 That's
1: awesome.
0: <laughs> like, they just It ends up getting expensive. I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of deals where I really like where they, 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 uh, they re-roofed it, uh, re-TPO'd it. Yeah, uh, and like, I don't know, like you, you, you're, you're into it. You realize you're like, okay, I think this is going to last a long time to get a roofer up there. And they're like, it was done wrong or not done. Mm. great. Yeah. And it just, when it's not done great on a flat roof, uh, it's a time bomb.
1: You know, I have one of the best roofers for, uh, my single family and stuff. And he does some multifamily stuff too, but, uh, I haven't bought anything in, in the area that he serves and he's not the cheapest, Damn, he's he's one of the best ones ever, and he just shoots me straight. He's like, "Look, man, here's here's what's going on," um, to the point where I have never presented him a leak that he couldn't fix. Awesome. Us- usually, he fixes fixes it in the very first shot at it. Right? He'll he'll come down. hey, man, that was done wrong. Like, I got a leak now that he told me he was, anyway. I'm going to get off on a tangent talking about myself. It's not what we're here about. But anyway, I want the point I want to make is I luckily found him, uh, yeah. but he's been my roofer for, uh, six or seven years now. And it's, he's incredible. So find those good trades. If you're, somebody's not treating you right.
0: Oh, one, one more thing. I, I think that people have to know out there, if you're buying pre 1975, uh, nobody's really asking about this. It's starting to happen, which is good is, um, we will look at pre-1975-ish, uh, pre-1980. Pre-1975, uh, it's right a gray area in the 70s, but uh, we've done it twice now on buildings. Uh, if pre-1975, we are going to ask what kind of piping is underneath the main lines, not, not the in-the-unit piping. Everybody says copper. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm right. talking about galvanized or PVC or ductile pipe underneath. I want PVC or ductile underneath and if it's cast iron or uh, galvanized uh we know that it's the time bombs gonna happen it's we've done it twice already we so so we get we lose competitiveness when we see pre-1975 stuff because we know we have to capex to do it to be safe we've done we did it on our 174 unit we knew there were some leaks we knew that the owner was taking care of them but we, we did capex enough. We're like, wow, like, I feel like this is gonna happen. Uh, he did the the owner did plug the leaks. Uh, we thought we were cool. It's like day seven after closing, another leak happens.
1: <laughs>
0: Whack a mole, two to four thousand dollar digs. The second time it happened, we were like, forget this. We got quotes. We dropped a hundred grand to get uh, galvanized to PVC, put main shutoff valves to every single building, and we dropped the water bill from 21,000 to 11,000 in a for, for the month. Wow. So a year payback on it and this now you can serve up this product to the next
1: investor yeah. and
0: they are not worried about it uh and and also for us for predictable cash flow and in this particular case it's predictable NOI. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um
0: so keep an eye out that awesome. people and start talking to your brokers about this stuff. That actually what helps the future investors out there like it, Brokers are kind of like, yeah, it needs a new roof. Like everybody knows that, but they don't want to hear about underground piping and discounts. Like, so if more people are saying,
1: <laughs> did you do the,
0: did you do the underground piping? It will get out there and owners will have to do it.
1: Yeah. That's uh that's an excellent, excellent point. Yeah. And it's funny, those CapEx things that are, that have those long lifespans, you know, roofs are one of those things that you can physically see, right? Yes. Uh Piping is not right. So if you're <laughs> dealing with that asset class, um it's or also you can't, not
0: fun. You're tearing it up. You're like ripping up yeah. the, uh, the parking lot and it's, you're also talking <laughs> about sewers and crap. And, oh, so You're talking about effluent and you're talking about, uh, like drinking water. So it's yeah. like serious stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, this has been amazing, man. I, and we're, we're coming up on time. I want to make sure people know how to get in touch with you. If they've got questions and everything, What's the sure. best way for for folks to do that? And and before you get into that, I definitely want to have you back on sometime awesome. soon. I think I had to re... So I've gotten to this point where, and I didn't do this at the beginning, but with us having um, several kids under the age of five, you've got a few kids yourself. You told me earlier, you, you get yeah. this, but I've, I've had to reschedule almost every podcast in the last two months. Mm. I'm pretty sure you fall into that category too. I don't know. There was something... I know just something in my mind says there was... We had this schedule before or whatever. I think, so, I, I think I reschedule it though, wasn't you? Well, I'm apologizing. I'm apologizing <laughs> to you and everybody else because it, it has typically happened. So that's kind of been my, my intro and I forgot to do it. So uh, <laughs> for whatever reason, but uh, back on you, how can people get in touch with you? And you have a Facebook group that we'll make links to in the show notes, but tell us a little bit about it as well.
0: Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm available online. Uh, you can reach uh, SharplineEquity.com. You can fill out the contact form, uh, Chris Jackson on Facebook. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, Chris Jackson Sharpline. We also have a private Facebook group called Multifamily Unveiled. And we do a lot of videos and do uh, high quality shares of, uh, of various articles and, and links that could help uh, your journey. And we talk about a lot of the things that other people aren't talking about. A lot of the things that are the how to not sound like an idiot stuff. Like what is IO? <laughs> Things like that. Interest only. By
1: the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends, right? If you got your propeller hat back on, you're talking about input output, right? <laughs> <laughs> <And>
0: correct. <laughs> you might say that to a banker and they're like,
1: what, what the heck are you talking about? They'll <laughs> smile and nod and all that other stuff. Uh, Chris this has been fun. Definitely. Uh, I'm actually going to go fill out. I don't know that I'm on your uh, list of potential partner. So I definitely want to do that. Um, and what else, what else, what am I forgetting? Where's my notes? I'm freaking out. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, so the last question that I, I knew there was something else. Last question I tend to ask everybody here in the last, uh, several months is that, um, you know, where is the market going? You know, everybody has this crystal ball. Everybody's looking at things and, and the deal that I backed out of, I just, if, and I told the guy who was sponsoring us, look, man, if we were in a different spot in the market because they were doing huge value ads, um, but it wasn't to the CapEx like you guys are doing, which has got me extremely interested. Um, it was the same story, right? That you keep hearing over and over again. And I don't know that the property will support it in a couple of years when they try to exit. Cause I got a feeling where I think the market's going to be in a couple of years is not where it is today. Right. So, um, where do you think we're going when, when it comes to the multifamily market?
0: Multifamily. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Crystal ball thing. I, I don't mind uh, throwing a shot at it because, but like we underwrite to mitigate yep. uh, where that could be because nobody knows. Uh, because last year we thought that interest rates were going to go up. And now interest rates look like they're going to stay and must possibly go down. We have some proof of concept, if you will, that Europe uh, did very low interest rates. If that occurs and there's a recession, you would have interest rates go down and you would have a plateau effect on pricing. So I think that there's still demand. I think you have demand on the uh, millennial market, even though they're starting to buy houses a bit, you have the Gen Z behind them. I like properties that... Uh, also cater to the garden style first floors for 55 and older. Yeah. So if you concentrate on those, and I do think there's going to be a CapEx tsunami that, uh, that is going to reward those that can find the deals where the pricing makes sense, where you can deploy the right capital. And then you will be rewarded by the market that you did the right things. Yeah but I do think that it's going to get harder for newbies to do multifamily because their banks will probably not let 75 people come up with a net worth of 2 million.
1: Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you make a good point there too for newbies. And and I want to make sure, you know, this warning for folks who are trying to get into multifamily or, or not thinking about those huge CapEx expenses that are now, you know, reaching their end of life is that, if you don't know this stuff and you look at a deal and you're thinking, I've got this amazing deal in my hands. Let me go raise money. Let me close it. And then man, are you going to get burnt? Right? So you right. really got to know what you're doing when that comes to that sort of thing. And, so. And uh, when you hear these
0: things, don't run for the hills also, like don't become a binary thinker of, right. Oh, like, like it's going to get harder for new people that that means I'm going to wait. That's that's you doing what everybody does. That's what I did for 10 years.
1: Don't yeah. Do that. Like
0: get in, you can kick the can and get pissed off that the market is hot right now, but that's just where we are. Learn it, stay in it, get better at it, learn your craft, and then execute on the one that makes sense. Just, just understand where we are, but don't, don't kick the can and be like, oh, I'm going to wait until uh, everything's perfect. Cause then you're going to show up when everything yeah. like, I'm going to have the advantage while the market fluctuates or goes down because I've been in it for a while and you'll be like, what's going on?
1: Yeah. It'll be my, like me releasing this podcast, waiting until everything's perfect and it would never happen. And now, yeah. you know, I thought you're about this. You're doing great day. by
0: the way. You're like, we're having a great conversation this is an awesome. Podcast.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, the other day I was thinking, okay, April is going to be one year anniversary and it is well, like,
0: that's it. Yeah. Well, you're doing really good on marketing and branding. Cause in my mind, you've been W2 capitalist for like five years.
1: No. uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no this uh w2 capitalist actually launched about two years ago uh, a year ago the podcast was like matter of fact um i think i suck at marketing to the point where i've now hired two marketing people And the first one uh, a couple of weeks ago says hey i need to see your business plan i was like <laughs> You uh you will me to write one because i don't have one and i and i announced this to the um my our, business plan I, is
0: get in front of more people.
1: Well, yeah, no. In in my mastermind the other night, I, I let that cat out of the bag and they were like, how in the hell I was like, well, all I'm doing is publicizing what I would be doing anyway. Right. Like I would rather, you know, for you and I to have this conversation, I would like, I would like for us to have this conversation. Right. Anyway, but it's just one of those. And I was having those conversations. and I was like, okay, well, maybe more people can hear about this. Let me, so yeah, it's, uh, I appreciate that. And it tells me I'm doing something right, but it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's very new. It's very new. So I've got some exciting stuff. Um, I'm not ready to talk about this yet, but it's, it's coming hopefully here. Pretty, uh, hopefully in two months. Um, right. on, on happy,
0: happy to uh, be a part of it. And uh, I love talking about this stuff. As you can yeah. tell, it's something I'm passionate about and got there living my living the dream. So, uh, yeah. it's it's wonderful I can talk I can talk about this stuff all day
1: me too but I gotta get to I gotta get ready to go to work (laughs) you don't you can go back to bed if you (laughs) want to I I got my (laughs) Chris I appreciate it very much I will chat with you again soon All
0: right. thank you see you everybody.
1: hey before we get out of here today I wanna point you toward our affiliates page Uh, I went ahead and created an affiliate link for blue.social which is the business card that I was talking about with Chris uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. I got mine in the mail this week, and I've already been playing around with it, uh, making sure it works like it's, it's promised, and it's, it's pretty freaking cool. Basically, it is a uh, business card, the size and thickness of a credit card. You tap it on the back of somebody's phone, and it instantly loads all your social media profiles and your contact information, and it came to the cost, I want to say 25 bucks. I think they had a little discount code that I used straight from their, um, from their website but uh it's it's it was pretty freaking cool so check it out uh so we're official and official affiliate uh it's blue dot social is the website but if you want to give us credit for sending you there check us out at w2capolis.com slash affiliates you can click click the link from there make it a great day everybody